But we are so glad that you're here today. Obviously, Chris is out today, and uh, so are others. But I'm thankful for the opportunity uh, to have to share with uh, you this morning. You know, I mess up a lot, okay? My, my wife, my family would probably attest to that at times. I just mess up. Things I should do, I don't do at times. Things I shouldn't say, I say. Things that God gets on to me, I find reasons to put them off. Uh, at times and make excuses. And when bad things happen from that, I can usually, it's real easy because I can just point the finger back to myself. I know why things aren't right in this relationship because I said this or didn't say this. Or I know things aren't going well because I did do this or I didn't do what God has told me to do. So I'm aware of that. I can point it back to to myself. As difficult as that is, that's also reassuring. There's a, a passage in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, and it says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. One of the ways that when we mess up, it can be a comfort to us is because God tells us that he disciplines his own. And when we mess up, because God is in us, when we came into a saving relationship with Christ, God filled us, we were baptized with the Holy Spirit, he put his mark of ownership with him. God lives in you if you're a believer. Therefore, when you mess up because God is in you, he lets you know. He won't let you sit in sin, he won't let you stay in sin, he won't let you stay in wrong relationship with other people. And so whenever I do mess up, man, God lets me know. He goes, you can sit here for a little while and you can be miserable or you can go deal with it. You can be in wrong relationship or you can go deal with it. And it's a comfort to know that. And that's one of the assurances where we can know that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ is that when we mess up, God won't let us sit in it. When we're not in right relationship with someone, God will let us know. But I want us to think today about those times when there's those things that we can't so easily identify a root cause for the problem that's going on. Those things that we all face in life, if you haven't faced them, you're going to face them. Maybe you're going through it right now. Those things you go through and you go, why, God, is this happening? I don't understand. God, I've tried to be faithful to you. I've tried to honor you. And I don't understand why this is going on in my life. Why are my children going through this? My family, my friends, my business. Why are they going through this? I look at other parts of the world, people that are faithful. Why are they facing this? You, you, you can relate to those comments that sometimes that you hear in Job or in the Psalms where it says, why do the evil prosper? Why aren't you smacking them and making things go good for us? But we all go through times where we ask, why God, I don't understand why this is going on. Well, a couple of weeks ago in my singles Bible study class, and if you're a single between 20 and early 30s, you should come to my Bible study class, okay? I'm going to do a commercial right now. You should come. My wife cooks good food in there. We have good fellowship. We have a good time together, and uh, you should come and hang out if you're in that uh, age category or whatever. But we were talking about Anna in there because we're going through a series where we're looking at some singles in the Bible and what God taught through them. And one of those was Anna. And Anna was one of those people that had a lot of situations where she could have gone, why God? So that's why we're looking at Anna, because she is one that can certainly relate and deal with this. Here's Anna. Young Jewish girl got married somewhere between 13, 15 years of age. I know that's kind of 
horrifying, and your parents pick that person out for you. But she gets married at this young age. She's been married for seven years. During that time, she has seen her friends that were married have a child, maybe have two child, maybe even some had three child. She has no children. And it would be natural for her to go, why, God, I don't understand. I'm so ready. I want to... I would so like to have a child that I could love and, and, and give our name to and that our husband, you know, that we could rejoice in this together. God, I don't understand, but God, I'm going to trust you in this situation. But then after seven years, her husband passes. Now, again, this marriage is arranged. Maybe it took her a little while to, you know, to, to figure all this stuff out. But after seven years in this relationship, hopefully she's grown to love him. There's also security in that. There's some status in that. There is some just commonality with other young girls who are married. And after seven years, her husband dies. And there's got to be that part of her that goes, why God? I don't understand. I've been faithful. I've loved you. Why did this happen? But not only that, God then gives her a special message. He gives her a special charge. I'm gonna, I want you to identify the coming Messiah. And I want you to share that with others. So she's excited about that. But then God puts this attachment onto it. He says, you're going to do this, but you have to remain a widow. It's like, whoa, God, I'm just 20 or 21 or 2 or 3 years old, ever how old she was. Why, God? You know, I so want to have family. I so want to have children. I see this all around me, God. And she understood a little bit of the stigma in that society when you were a young widow. Paul and Timothy, you know, talks about, he, for the most part, encourages young widows to get married. Part of that is because maybe solve some potential problems that could happen, but also just provision. It was hard for a young widow to make it on her own. And she knew sometimes there was a stigma. Not only has my husband died, I've, I've, you know, I haven't had a child. People are going to say, you must have some kind of curse on you or something. Why God? But maybe if this comes, maybe it'll come quickly and then people will understand why God has had me to remain single when I get this message. But the thing is, she doesn't get to give that message for somewhere between 60 and 80 years. And she's got to be crying out, God, I'm so ready to do this. I'm so prepared. I so want to, God, why is this happening? And every one of us in life are going to face those situations where we're going to ask, God, I don't understand. Why is this going on in my marriage? Why is this going on in my family? Why is this going on in my place of work? God, I don't understand. I see so-and-so is such a good person, and they're suffering, and they're struggling. Why, God, is this going on? And so-and-so who's not such a good person, and things seem to be going so well for them. Well, I want us to look at the story of Anna Day because Anna gives us great insight about how to deal and respond to that question. So the first thing I want us to look at is... Not only why her, but also just who is she, where did she come from? And there's a few things that it talks about in, in Scripture in, um, in these passages that Savannah read. In verse 36 in chapter 2, it says that she was a prophetess. Now, I'm going to give you a really deep definition for prophetess here, okay? So try and hang on. Don't get lost in this definition. But it's basically a female prophet who is serving God. Okay, try and hang on to that. A female prophet who is serving as God's spokesperson. And usually their speech that they gave built up the church. Didn't mean always it was a positive, great message, but it always built up the church. Female prophetesses were very rare. In the Jewish commentaries, the Talmud, they're listed like seven Jewish uh, prophetesses. But in the Old Testament, we only have three. 
we have Miriam, we have Deborah, and we have Huldah, which is a great name. More of you should use that with your daughters. But we have these three names for these prophetesses that were given. So it was rare that we had a prophetess. And it had been a long time since a prophet had been on the scene in Israel. So she is a prophetess with a message. The other thing that we see about her, it says in here that she was the daughter of Phineel. She was Anna, the daughter of Phineel of the tribe of Asher. And I know that's all very exciting, but the name Anna means grace. It means grace. She was going to be the one that was going to get to see the grace of God through the Christ child. She was going to be the, one of the first ones that got to dispense that grace. And she says she was the daughter of Phineel. Phineel means the face of God. And Phineel is part of God's provision for her. Again, she's a widow. Young widows had a very hard time making it, especially if they didn't remarry. But Phineel was from the tribe of Asher. The tribe of Asher was a little more... The, the land that they were given in Canaan was a very fertile land. So a lot of people from that part of the world were fairly well-to-do. There was a lot of olive, grapes, and things grown in that area. So those that had survived, stuck it out through all the trouble, were fairly well-to-do. So Phineel, her father, because he's mentioned not the name of her husband, was probably the one that provided for her, making it possible for her to be able to live in the temple during this time and not have to depend on other people. Also, the tribe of Asher, as I mentioned, when they were given their land, they didn't go drive out the Canaanites in the land. They kind of ended up living amongst them. And they kind of had a wishy-washy record of obedience. When Deborah called on them to help, they said, eh, no, we're, we're, we're too good relationship with the, with the Phoenicians up in this area. We'll stay where we are. They didn't have a judge rise up from them. But then later when Gideon needed them, when David needed them, they rose up and they went and helped. So they kind of had a checkered past. But what they did have to it was a real stick to itness. They didn't get drove out of the land either. And when the Israel, when the land was conquered and many were deported, there was a good number from that tribe that stayed right there and stuck it out. And so she had that stick to it with it quality, which she needed and what she was facing. Because she's going 60 to 80 years before she gets to see the fulfillment of this prophecy that she's supposed to deliver. But she doesn't quit. She sticks with it. We also see in this passage that uh, she was very old. It says she lived with her husband seven years after marriage and then was a widow for until uh, she was 84. There's debate here. Like I said, she got married somewhere between 13 and 16. She's married seven years, and she is a widow either until 84 or she's a widow for 84 years. So she's somewhere between 84 and 107 years old. We don't know exactly. But this is an old lady. And she has for a long time been dealing with God. I don't understand. Why is this happening? But she's staying faithful and she's sticking with it. Not only do we see that she's very old, we also see in this passage, uh, she never left the temple, but she worshiped there day and night. Around the temple, a lot of times were little porticos. And sometimes when the priest would come, he would stay in these porticos. Maybe others that caught, came in and taught would come and stay in these. And very possibly because of her faithfulness through the years, through the years they saw, this is a lady that's faithful. This is a lady that's praying and fasting and she's genuine and she's real. And because also because of the rituals and things, she was already, she was way past menopause. She wouldn't have to deal with a period of uncleanliness. She would be able to continually stay in the temple. And because of her faithfulness and work, they may have said, you know, Anna, you just stay in one of these places. Or it could simply mean that from early in the morning until late at night, whenever there were people at the temple, 
Anna was at the temple. But she was known for being there. And she was known, it talks about here, for worshiping, for fasting, for praying in the temple. Now, why do you fast? Sometimes um, you don't just fast to deny yourself food. If you're doing that, you're missing the whole point. Sometimes it's to let go of a stronghold in our life. You know, I've known people that, you know, during times they say, you know what, I'm going to fast from Facebook. I'm going to fast from the Internet. I'm going to fast from watching television. Something has a stronghold in my life, and I'm just going to let it go and give that to God. But sometimes we fast because we get so preoccupied in praying, we just don't think about food. We're so preoccupied, I want to hear from God, I want to know Him, uh, I want to know the direction He wants in my life. We just don't think about it. We're so wrapped up and consumed in it. In Matthew chapter 4, you know, Jesus goes 40 days and uh, 40 nights, you know, and He's fasting. And then Satan comes and says, hey, turn these stones into bread, have something to eat. It'd be normal, natural to eat that. But he says, no, I have food from the Father which you don't know about. He understood that there was food in the Word of God. And you can see Anna at times just absorbing herself and and studying the Word of God. And, And she would be very limited as a Jewish woman to her access to the Scriptures. They were super tight on it. But I'm sure there's different times when she heard it read, when she heard it spoke, and she absorbed that and took that in uh, when she was at the temple and at different festivals. But she focused on that word of God, and she spent time in prayer and time praising and interceding for others. Not just somebody that was self-absorbed in herself, but somebody that only prayed for her and God's plan for her life, but prayed for others. So that's a little bit about who she is, where she comes from, where she's at. Now, how does that help you? How does that help us? Well, I want us to look at Anna real quick, three things that I think we can take from her that will help us. And it's Memorial Day weekend. I'm a guest preacher. I promise you these will be quick. A couple of things I want to throw at you really quick. First of all, what do we do now? Well, the first thing that we see in Anna's life and that we can take in our own life when we face those, why, God, is this happening? Why is this relationship falling apart? whether that's a friendship or whatever. Why is this happening in my family? Why is this happening in work? Why is the sickness or illness afflicting me or somebody that I love or somebody that I care about? God, I don't understand. What we see that she did is she didn't just rely on her own power, but she relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to rely on God's power when we don't understand. And we can see this in her by the way that she actively poured herself into work and service in the temple. She was seeking after God. And it's important at times like this, when we have those questions, there's a tendency during those times we either run away from God or we get closer to God. Or sometimes we just get stuck in the middle. And it's important when we're going through those difficulties, it's easy to get angry at God. And we get angry at God, and so we don't want to come to church. We don't want to have our quiet time. We don't want to spend time with them because we're upset and we're angry and we don't understand. Or maybe we're embarrassed about what's going on. It's something in our family, in our life, or our business that's happening. We're just embarrassed and we don't want to be around people because of what happened. But what we need to do during those times is what Anna did. And we need to seek worship with other people. Hebrews 10.25 talks about the fact to not give up meeting together as some are ha- in the habit of doing, but encouraging, encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We don't ever need to give up meeting together. One of the greatest things that we can do when times we don't know is to gather strength from the body of Christ because that's what we are. We're a body. 
many parts made up and we need each other. And during times like that, when you question and you doubt and you're not sure about what's going on and you want to walk away or take some time apart, that's all the more when you need to gather close to the body of Christ and let them pray for you and strengthen you, encourage you, and worship with others. We also don't need to skip as part of that, in addition, our time of worshiping alone with God. And you see that in our prayer and fasting. Not only was it done in the temple with others, but that's also, I'm sure, at times, especially in the court of women, that she went off by herself and she prayed and she fasted alone. It's important that we also draw close to God one-on-one. Mark one thirty-five talks about the fact that uh, Jesus withdrew early in the morning. He got alone, found a solitary place where he prayed, and 2 Timothy 2.15 talks about the purpose of us getting alone and praying and working, and that's so we can study and show ourselves a workman approved unto God. We need to get along with God so we can hear from Him, we can learn from Him, He can shape us, He can mold us, He can teach us, He can give us the strength, the patience, the understanding, the courage, whatever it is we need to face through that. We need to, during these times, draw even closer to God. And during these times, we've got to make sure we listen to God. When I was off at college, long way from God, and I'm telling you this as parents, advice to do to your kids one day, mom would constantly write me notes and letters. And in them, she would put scriptures and things. And I can remember one she hammered me with over and over and over again was Psalms 46, uh, 10. Be still and know that I'm God. I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to listen to it. I didn't want to change what was going on. I had my reasons when I didn't have to follow God or listen to him or be close to him, you know, and I didn't want to hear that. But it's important during those times when we're angry and upset at God that we get still, we get alone, and we listen. I'll say, God, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. I wish it wasn't here, but God, you're sovereign you're all-powerful, you're in control, and I don't understand, and I'd rather not be in the midst of it, but I am. So God, help me to hear from you during this time. And so it's extremely important that we run to God when we face those times in our lives and rely on his power. Second thing that we need to do is we need to exercise power through prayer. Okay? We need to get involved in serving other people. We need to get our focus off ourselves and what we're going on and focus on God and focus on other people. And there's no greater way to do that than praying. In this passage, you can see where if uh, Anna got alone, she gave thanksgiving. When she got the answer, the first thing she did was she gave thanksgiving. But one of the greatest things that we can do when we're facing those situations is to get our mind off the immediate situation and circumstance, but instead get our eyes on God and look at God, I've got so much to be thankful for. I'm not thankful for this situation or this circumstance, but I just look around the world at all the beauty that you've given through creation. I look at the friends that you've given me. I look at the fact that I have a relationship with you, that I've got a home in heaven. Get your eyes off that immediate circumstance and be, look at all that you have to be thankful for. And then get involved interceding for other people. Anna, part of her ministry of praying wasn't just for her and herself, but she was interceding. You can imagine widows coming in 
and Anna coming in and being able to give them comfort. Young mothers coming in and Anna being able to give them guidance and instruction. Anna seeing people coming in that were having marriage difficulties and problems and her being able to pray with them and comfort them. Get involved in times like that. Get your mind off yourself and get involved interceding for other people. Pray for your kids. Pray for your parents. Pray for your friends. Pray for your future, where you're going to go to college, what your job's going to do, who you're going to marry. Pray that for your children. Pray for our missionaries over the wor- all over the world that they would be protected from harm, that they would have opportunities to share their faith, that they would grasp the language, that people from those people groups would be raised up that could share, that their needs would be met. Pray for those that are doing research in hospitals, that they would come to cures for different things uh, that are going on. Pray for the other churches churches in town. Pray for your kids' friends. Just pray, pray, pray. Intercede for other people. One of the greatest things I believe we neglect is our ministry of intercession and petition for our own needs, but then interceding for other people's. And one of the reasons that we live in a free nation where we can freely gather and worship is because God wants this nation to be a lighthouse of prayer for all over the world. We don't, it doesn't matter who's in Washington and who's in charge. We can gather freely and we can pray for those all over the world. And that's a great way to get our minds off what's going on with us. But then one of the things we can also do is we can offer up our own petitions and concerns to God. We can say, God, I just want to be honest with you and just talk about why, God. God, in the midst of this, help me to honor you. In the midst of this, help me to live for you. In the midst of this, help me to see where you're at work and how I can be shaped and formed into your image. And then just like before, make sure you take time to listen. And then finally, what we can do in those times of wise, not only rely on God's power that it'll get, that we get from worshiping with others and worshiping alone, not only during those times if we'll get focused on serving others, one of the greatest ways we can serve others is through prayer and stuff. And in addition to that, I could throw in, go down to the nursery and rock babies. You know, go to some of our retirement homes around town and see people, but get the focus off yourself and get serving others. Not that it's bad to focus, not that that's not natural, not that that's not human, but what's going to help. And part of the reason God may put us in those situations is so we'll totally and completely depend on him and not our ability and we'll serve others. And one of the greatest ways that we can serve others is is we share the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. We share that life-changing power that we have in us. We see in verse 38 in this passage, it says, Coming up to them at that very moment. Coming up to who? Coming up to Simeon, who's right before this, who's also waited a long time for the coming Messiah. And he sees him, and he recognizes him, and he starts singing this praise song uh, back in verses 29 through 32. And you can see Anna joining in and going, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for, 60 to 80 years. This is the one. This is the promised one. And you can see her being excited. And when Simeon gets through with all this, he basically says, um, now I can rest in peace because I've seen this. What does Anna do after she sees this? It says, coming up to them at that very, she gives thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna, after seeing the coming promised one, whether she's 84 or 107, she goes out and she starts sharing her faith. And she, at this time, could probably understand why the wait had to be so long. Because I guarantee you there are people that might not have normally listened, but because they saw her faithfulness and her dedication, 
they would give her a listening ear that they might not to somebody else. Because they had heard her talk about it and talk about the coming one, they would listen to what she had to say. But she goes out and she shares. And guys, when we're going through those times of what, why, I don't understand, one of the things that you can look, maybe God's putting you through this or allowing this to give you an opportunity to give testimony. Because how much of a testimony could she give to a fellow widow? How much of a testimony could she give to somebody that was also childless? How much testimony could she give to other people that are asking those why questions? Because she had been there, she had the right to be heard and to listen and had a strong testimony. And a lot of times we go through those situations because God wants to give us opportunity to share and to give testimony to other people. I'm a, I just recently completed... My call to joy class, I had four guys or five guys in it, great, uh, they were all older guys, and one of the last things that we did in it was we had them write out their testimony, just real short, one-page thing, what my life was like before Christ, when I accepted, how I came to know that I needed Christ, when I accepted him, and what my life is like now. So it needs to be two to three minutes, just a page. And so they wrote those out, and they shared them, and here's what I challenged them with. I said, here's what I want you to do now. I want you to give those to your spouses. I want you to think about mailing those to your children. Because, and, 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 and you've got a right to be heard. You know, these, these were older gentlemen. You know, they were been faithful in their marriage, faithful with their kids, faithful to the church. I'm sure they'd all been through difficulties. But I said, I guarantee you, if you write that testimony and send it to your child and say, you know, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but I want you to share what a difference Christ makes in my life. Just read this. Or if there's, maybe to give it to their spouse, you know, I don't know if I've ever really shared with you when I came to Christ. I want to share this with you. Or maybe some friends and coworkers, I said, just consider writing it and sending it to them. I said, I want you to know what's made a huge difference in my life in the workplace through these years. I know I haven't been perfect, but let me tell you what the foundation of my life is. Simply writing something out, taking a few minutes and writing out that testimony, what an easy way to share with other people. But also, as you go through life and you go through these kinds of difficulties, you get the opportunity to be heard. It's important when they do happen that we share. And when somebody's going through something, say, look, I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm not trying to give you an easy answer, but let me tell you what's sustained me through the years. Let me tell you what's helped me. Let me tell you what's been the foundation. And if you're ready to share that, God will give you the opportunity to share. And it took a little bit of time of preparation for Anna, but man, when that moment came to share, she was out there. You can see her ministering, sharing before this, but when this finally came, she was really out there sharing the power of Christ. So guys, as we close out, I just want to remind you, every one of us, me included, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with some of those right now, some of those questions of like, I just don't understand. It doesn't make sense. You know, there's things that have happened to students that I've ministered to in the past and families, and I was like, I don't understand. Such a good family. Why is this tragedy? Why does this difficult happen? And sometimes I've come to understand, and sometimes I still don't have the answer for that. And you're all going to face and deal with those. And like I said, when those come, they can force us to run away from God, just kind of get stuck and go through the motions, or pursue God. Guys, I encourage you during those times, pursue God. Learn the message from this little older lady who was just given three verses, but she lived a powerful life because during those times, what did she do? She ran to God. She ran to God and she said, I'm going to worship him. Even though I don't understand, I'm worshiping him with others. 
and I'm going to worship him one-on-one, and I'm going to serve him. And part of that service is I'm going to intercede, and I'm going to pray for others, and I'm going to share what he's done with my life and how he's changed me. And when that special message came, she shared that. Guys, I encourage you, during those times, be committed not to run away, but to run to God. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we praise you. And Father, we thank you that you are a God who is there with us on the mountains and you're a God who's with us in the valleys. Father, you're a God who is with us when we're close to you, but also you're a God when we mess up and we stumble and, and we slip like we so do so often. Father, you don't abandon us. And Father, we thank you that when we go through those periods and trials and tribulations in life and we don't understand, Father, we're not always going to get an easy answer, but we get the promise that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that you'll be with us, you'll walk with us. And Father, I thank you for Anna and how you walked with her and were strength and comfort. And Father, somebody that people would look at and, and say, you know, it's a little widow lady, 80 to 100 years old. What difference can her life? And Father, you made an unbelievable impact through her life and you still are today. Father, help us to be people that when we go through difficulties and hardships, we don't run away, but we run to you. And Father, if there's anybody here today that doesn't have a relationship with you, so Father, they can't run to you. Father, let them know you're right there. Your arms are open. You're so willing to receive them, to become a part of your family, and to make all your riches and your blessings available to them. Father, help us as your people to be committed to live for you in the good and in the difficult. In your holy name we pray. If you need to respond this morning, if you need to join the church, you need to receive Christ, you need to give something to God, whatever, the altar is open. Feel free to come forward.